Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Okay, well, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do Revelation here, people, because that's what we do around here. Father, we ask you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest on us so that as we hear the word, read the word, talk about ideas, that our spirits would come alive, that the Bible would be alive and active, and that you'd help us, God, to get it in us and have increased measure of clarity in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, we are in the book of Revelation, and uh, this is our... 89th session. So we are not playing around here. Uh, Coming up on 90 uh, sessions. And uh, this one is entitled The Beast and the Harlot. If you ever need a a session title to scare off everyone, um, that's the one that we're looking at tonight. Uh, Both of those phrases and even the partnership of those two entities in the Bible, in the book of Revelation specifically, um, are uh, closely tied. And Andy, if we can get those stage lights down just still a little bit, that's uh, still a bit bright. Um, Thank you. That's great. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so uh, tonight, um, as we continue our series, remember the game plan here is we'll break up into uh, discussion groups and talk about these ideas here in a little bit. We'll have some uh, discussion questions handed out to you. Uh, But what we want to do in this series is we want to get a a strong working understanding of the book of Revelation, that it would no longer be mysterious, that we would be pros as much as you can be pros at the book of Revelation so that we can build upon that foundation in our understanding about eschatology as a whole, that's the study of the end times, our understanding about all the different prophetic books in the scripture. And so tonight, as uh, we look at this session, I want to start off with, uh, before we jump into... um, the ways that they're connected, I want to look at the three successive empires uh, at the end of the age. And I will go rather quickly through this, but I want you to think about a a transition that's already occurring. We're in the middle of it right now. I mean, we're at the early beginnings of the middle of it, but we're in the beginnings of a forever transition that'll never go back to the way that it was before, ever. Ever. We are in a transition of the earth, which has been ruled by independent, autonomous nations. It has been ruled by those nations in an independent way from, you know, the beginning. And before there were nations, there were tribes and groups. We are about to experience a shift that will never go back to the way that it was. We are about to experience the first transition into a global empire. There has never been a global empire before. There have been regional ones. There have been significant ones. I mean, if you think about the Roman Empire, that was a big deal. But the Roman Empire was not global by any means. The Ottoman Empire, never global. Any empire you can think of, it was never a global reality. We're about to transition. This is a, this is a first And it's a really interesting pivot because when this pivot occurs, it never goes back to the way that it was. We're about to transition into the first global empire. And from that time, it will only be global empires forever. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be nations, but it'll be nations that are a part of an empire. And that's what we're about to experience here. The first 
is the harlot system. Revelation 18, 2 through 3, Babylon the Great had become a dwelling for demons and all the nations, all, there's never been a time that all the nations have done diddly squat together, ever. There's never been a time that all the nations have done anything. All the nations drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth, talking about all of them, committed adultery with her. And the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. We are about to enter into a season of time. We're, we're headed there now. It's happening slowly, uh, unless you're really paying attention. It's happening pretty slowly. But we're heading into a season of time where all the nations of the earth are going to see the value of working together in an empire sort of a thought process under, under a, a measure of leadership in order to accomplish more together. Just so happens what they'll accomplish will be horrendously evil. But it's coming. And so that's the first global empire. And we are, again, we're in the early stages of heading into that. And just so you know, the next two transitions, right now we're in a transition. We're transitioning from, transitioning from no global empire to the first global empire. But then there's going to be another transition from that global empire to the next, and another one from that to the next. There's going to be these different transition points. The first transition, the one that we're in right now, is going to be the slowest. It's the first. It's the first time there's ever been a world empire. That's never happened before. There have been big empires, but even the biggest of those empires didn't span over half of the planet. And furthermore, it took them a long time to get to a point of, of that level of uh, dominion, okay? So the first uh, rise of the first em global empire is going to be the longest uh, uh, portion of time. It's going to take the longest. It's the most um, philosophy-changing. It's the most life-altering because the world has not operated under a global empire ever before. And so to get to that point is going to be uh, quite a, uh, a work. And we are in the early stages right now of seeing some of those things start to come to pass. I don't know how long it's going to take. Is that going to take 10 years, 20 years? I don't know. I don't know. But it's coming, says your Bible. Okay? Next, the Antichrist Empire. Now, this era will be the most terrible time that the earth has ever known, and it's going to be very short-lived. You're really glad to hear, worst time ever, short-lived together. You really are glad about those two things being uh, uh, two sides of the same coin. The worst empire ever, the worst season of time ever, but it'll be short-lived, and we know exactly how long it'll be, actually. Seven years. All right, so here, the beast was given authority for 42 months. That's uh, the seven years. It was given, uh, that's actually three and a half years. He, he's, the three and a half years of his reign is the, uh, I won't go into the details right now, but it's, it's the second part of a global reality uh, taking place. Um, anyway, he's given three and a half years power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, every people, every language, every nation. There's never been such a thing in all of human history. There's never been a group or a, a leader or a nation that was given authority over every nation on the planet. That's just never happened. 
all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. So that's the second empire. And it can only happen, it can only come about after that first empire comes about already. In fact, the way that it happens is the Antichrist annexes the previously established empire under Babylon. That's how the Antichrist is able to accomplish it in five minutes. He's able to do it in a very quick work. It's because there was already a system there to take over. You can't take over the planet in five minutes unless the planet was already taken over by somebody else. And then you just take that guy's throne. That's what's going to happen, more or less. The last empire that we're going to look at is the kingdom of Christ. The ruling of Jesus on the earth is going to usher in a very different version of a kingdom but it's gonna be very much the same scope of kingdom. That is the entirety of the planet. And that initiation is gonna last a thousand years and then more cool things happen after that. Look at this uh, verse here, top of page two. They came to life and reigned with Christ. Reigned with Christ means they were ruling alongside him on the planet. They reigned with Christ a thousand years. Blessed and holy are those that share in the first resurrection. They will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him a thousand years. So there's going to be a very real and literal uh, establishment of the kingdom of Jesus on the planet. And you really want to think about that. You've got the kingdom of the Anik, uh, of uh, Babylon, and that's going to be a season of time that is going to be evolving into and then is going to look a particular way. After that, you're going to have the kingdom of the Antichrist, and that's going to be an abrupt transition. It's going to last seven years, and it's going to be a, a period of time where uh, things are really, really tough. Then there's going to be another abrupt transition. And that's when Jesus takes over the former Antichrist uh, global kingdom and he renews it and he makes it, you know, righteous. But here's some interesting things that you want to be thinking about. Each of these common or uh, each of these empires that we just looked at will have a global economy, will have a global government, and will have a global religion. These are the from now until the end, we are uh, going to be increasingly looking at the subject of globalism. I don't mean we the prayer room, I mean we the planet. Because the Bible prophesies that the harlot Babylon is going to rise and is going to wind up creating the first global system. Which the Antichrist will then wind up taking over after that. And then uh, Jesus is going to come and kick butt and take names and uh, wind up uh, creating the first righteous global system that's ever been. Okay. Well, now with that kind of as our backdrop of where things are headed, and remember, this, uh, this subject tonight, we're looking at the correlation, the connection of the beast and the harlot. The beast is the Antichrist. The harlot is the harlot Babylon system that's going to rise at the end of the age that we're already seeing uh, rise now. We want to look at the similarities and the differences between these two. We want to make sure that we've got Bible understanding, not just sentiment, not I think I heard it in a podcast one time. We want to have Bible understanding about what the heck is the harlot Babylon and what the heck is the Antichrist system. Not just who is the Antichrist, but he's going to be leading a global empire. What does that empire look like? And specifically, how does the Babylonian empire at the end of the age 
and the Antichrist empire at the end of the age differ. How do they differ? And how are they similar? Start with some of their similarities. Their shared sins. Look at this. This is just a horrific list. And uh, what you can do there is you can see a slash uh, under each one of these. So I'm on part two, or number, numeral, Roman numeral two, letter A. One of these, five, six, seven. Those seven have got a slash in the verses. That slash represents where you change over from it's going to start with uh, Antichrist. And then it's going to go to, nope. I said that wrong. It's going to start with the harlot Babylon, and then it's going to go to the Antichrist. So before the slash, those verses are about the harlot Babylon. And then after that slash, those verses are about the beast. Why did I do it that way? Because every one of these, there's comparison verses that talk about the harlot Babylon at the end of the age and that talk about the Antichrist government at the end of the age. And there's a lot of overlap and similarities, but we're also going to see there's a ton more uh, that describe the differences. Okay, so they're shared sins. Both of them are boastful. Gave you verses there. Both of them practice witchcraft. They oppose the Lord in a severe way. There's idols in the land in a way that is very unusual and kind of unthinkable for 2021. You know, when we think idols in the land, you think, oh, you know, before anybody knew anything. Back in the day. There are going to be idols in the land in a very real way. There's going to be the desecrating of the temple. Both of them are going to do that. Both of these, both the Antichrist and the Harlot Babylon, will both have false prophets and are both deeply rooted in deception. So in relationship to their shared sins, the sins of Babylon and the sins of Antichrist and the governments that will form under both of them, you can just see there there's some significant shared sins. Next, similarities in their influence. So anytime you've got a global empire... Just the fact that it's global is unheard of, unprecedented, unusual. So there's going to be some similarities in their influence in relationship to the way that they're leading the earth in their uh, empire you know, strategies. So a few of the things that the word says, and again, same thought process there. You start with verses about the harlot, and then you look at verses about the beast or about the Antichrist. Similarities in their influence. They are astonishing to the world. Anything that's able to take over the world and run the globe is going to be astonishing. Go look at those verses to see that. They're going to have worldwide influence. They're going to rule over the kings of the earth. They're not just going to give influence. There's significant influence for sure. But there is a true ruling over the kings of the earth. They're going to be very powerful They're going to be wearing articles of royalty. There's a lot of verses, it's a surprising number actually, that talk about their articles of royalty. They're called king or queen. And they have close economic ties, these two, together and then also to the nations of the earth. All right? What's another way that they're similar? Remember, we're talking about the Antichrist government at the end of the age, and we're talking about the harlot Babylon system at the end of the age. And these two things are distinct. They are different, but there's a lot of overlap. And I'll just tell you this. Those uh, that you know, love the word of God and that teach that these two things are the same thing, that there is not a difference between the Antichrist system and the Babylonian system, the reason that they teach that that way is because there is so much overlap. 
And there is, I mean, admittedly, there's a ton of overlap, but there's not 100% overlap. We're going to look at the stuff that's the, the differences in a minute. But that's an important distinction because you might find somebody that you know and love that talks about, oh, you know, those two things are the, are the same thing at the end of the age, and they are absolutely not. They are distinct. But there's a tremendous amount of overlap that I understand. All right, so the way that they relate to God's people, very similar. Look at this list, part C. I'm at the top of page three if you're following in the notes. They're uh, destroyed by God's holy servants. That's a language that you'll see written. But they're not only destroyed by God's holy servants, they kill God's holy servants. They kill the saints. So there's a combination. Uh, Both of those are are, uh, an overlay or overlapping details about these two uh, entities at the end of the age, the Harlot Babylon system and the Antichrist government. Also, they're going to mistreat the prophets, they're going to mistreat Israel, and they're going to be used to purify the church. The Lord uses everything. He works for the good of those who love him. He can work in your bad day to work for your good. And he works even in evil global empires to accomplish purification in the church. It's important to him. He uses all things. Next, the commonalities of their storyline. Just looking at some of the things here. The connections here. Each of these empires has a unique storyline, but there are overlaps. One, God uses them to bring about desolation. Two, each of these empires once were empires, now are not empires, and will be empires again. This is the case of both of them. Man is made scarce by their judgments. It's another one of the commonalities in their storyline. The end time battle that we see waged, it's this whole uh, uh, progress of events related to the Antichrist's aggression. You know, before the Antichrist comes after the church, the Antichrist comes after Babylon first. The Antichrist hates everybody that isn't in his network, that isn't doing his will. He first comes after Babylon and destroys her before he comes after uh, the church. Captured and then destroyed is another uh, point of language. Anyway, I just gave you like tons of verses here for you to go and look at any of these points that you're like, I'm kind of interested in that, or how can this all be in the Bible? If you want to go do the, the, uh, the homework on that, there's a ton of Bible verses here for you to be able to go reference. All right, related to judgments, God hates evil and he judges it. He judges it if it's called Babylon. He judges it if it's called Antichrist. He judges it if it's called human iniquity. God hates evil, he hates wickedness and sin, and he judges it. So I gave you there a bunch of verses that talk about how the Lord is going to be bringing judgment against both the Babylonian system, and then after that, bringing judgment against the Antichrist system. Babylon, this is a connection point, will prepare the earth for the Antichrist. I'm going to spend just a couple of minutes on this one uh, before we transition to number, Roman numeral three. So I'm at part F, bottom of page three, if you're following along. Babylon will prepare the earth for Antichrist. What do I mean by that? Well, Babylon is going to dull the world's discernment of right and wrong. We're already seeing that happen. But it's going to get way worse to the point where most people on the earth 
will not be able to discern evil from good. Most people, they will not be able to tell the difference. Babylon will cause the increase of wickedness across the globe. She'll promote it. She'll fund it. She'll give discounts to governments that participate in certain areas of wickedness. And there, there's so many verses about the human trafficking issue going through the roof in the final generation. Wickedness is going to be at the greatest height in human history under the leadership of Babylon. And all of that is a handoff to the Antichrist. Babylon will be a bridge for the world's religions to join the Antichrist religion. We've talked a little bit about that in past sessions. And she will lure, this is horrific, but it's in your Bible and it's a reason we need to be people that love Jesus, know how to forgive, and know the word of God. Babylon will lure much of the church away from pure devotion to Christ. Much of the church, much of what is called the church, much of those who go to church, many churches in, in their entirety will be led astray from Jesus because of the allure of the Babylonian uh, uh, system that's coming on the rise. All right, well now let's talk not about their, uh, their shared realities. Let's talk about now their differences, the difference between the beast and the harlot. So we're talking about the Antichrist, the beast, the harlot, harlot Babylon, which is the global system of government that is going to uh, rule the earth before Antichrist rises. Let's look at the differences. First, let's look at the way that they engage the nations. I'm on the top of page four. If you're following along in the notes. Now, the way that, just so that I don't have to keep explaining it, the way that this section is laid out, uh, Roman numeral three, it's, it starts with the, the title of what it is that we're going to look at, and then it gives you Bible verses about what's going on with the harlot system if, with regard to that subject, and then immediately after, it gives you Bible verses about what's going on with the Antichrist in relationship to that subject. And here we're able to see clear differentiations. We're able to see differences in the way that these two global governments are going to operate. Okay? First, in the way that they engage the nations. The harlot, willful participation from the nations. The nations will willfully, gladly, excitedly participate with the harlot Babylon. Look at verses here. All the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth commit adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Skipping down to 1823, your merchants were the world's important people. By your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. There's this willful participation. Now, there's a lot of demonic force behind it, but people are choosing to do it, okay? Next, the way that they engage the nations. Now, let's talk about the Antichrist, the beast system. Forced submission. We were just looking at willful, willful participation. Now, we're looking at forced submission, he will also invade the beautiful land. Many countries will fall. He will extend his power over many countries. Egypt will not escape. He will gain control of the treasures of gold and of silver and all the riches. Skipping down to Revelation 13, speaking of the Antichrist, was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. 
It was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. So really clear there, the difference in willful participation versus submission by force. So that's, those are two very different thought processes. Even if you get everybody on board, either way, your approach is very different. You know, the, the, tie, the term, you know, more, you know, flies, or more, more what is it? More, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. And so it's like, yeah, thank you. That was going to take me. I would have been here all night fumbling. So I'm glad we got a Texas girl out here to tell me what's going on. So more flies with honey than with vinegar. And yet both are going to get the flies at the end of the age, one by force and one by enticement, okay? Next, once agreement has been made with the harlot Babylon or once agreement has been made with Antichrist, there are very different operational uh, principles at play once agreement has been made, okay? So people are going to say, okay, harlot Babylon, I agree with you. And then people are going to say, okay, Antichrist, I agree with you. But once that agreement has been made, the rules are very, very different depending on which one the agreement was made with. First, let's start with Babylon. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, come up out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins have piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes." Jeremiah 51, flee from Babylon, run from your, for your lives. Do not be destroyed because of her sins. It is time for the Lord's vengeance, and he will pay her what she deserves. Jeremiah 51, verse 45, come out of her, my people. Now, this is a very clear, the people of God are in her. They're participating. They're part of the system. But the appeal from heaven, from the Holy Spirit is, stop it. Come up out of her. Come to your senses. Experience renewal, revival, and repentance. Stop partnering with Babylon. Come up out of her. Run for your lives. So that's the case with the harlot Babylon. Not so with the Antichrist. No one will be able to repent after taking the mark of the beast. When you partner with Babylon, you still got a choice. When you partner with Antichrist, it's done. Look what it says. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. So you start partnering with Babylon, you can repent and get out. You partner with Antichrist, it's done. It's a very clear distinction between those two. Relationship to each other. Let's look at bottom of page five here. The harlot uses the beast's power. But then the, the beast turns around and destroys the harlot. All right, let's look at the verse. Revelation 17, 3. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And there I saw a woman 
sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names. And it had seven heads and ten horns. I don't know if you caught this. This is the harlot Babylon riding on top of the beast. For a season of time, the beast will tolerate that in order to get what he wants. There is a season of time where the harlot Babylon system is going to be using and thankful for and even leaning on the military uh, might of the Antichrist uh, that's kind of a rising governmental thought process. The the Antichrist uh, will, for a season of time, allow himself to be used by the harlot Babylon. But that time will come to an end. And then, 17... Uh, 16 through 17, bottom of the page, the beast destroys the harlot. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute, or in other translations, the harlot. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire, for God has put it into their hearts to accomplish this purpose by agreeing to hand over to the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. Really important if anybody tells you that they think that the Antichrist system and the Harlot Babylon system are the same thing, you want to be able to say very clearly, no. Revelation 17 says the Antichrist is going to burn the harlot, (laughs) burn the harlot system and annex it, take it over. But it's not the same thing. It's a very different thing. You don't burn the house you like to rebuild that exact house. You burn down the little shed on the land in order to be able to get some some good land and fertilize the soil a little to build the house of your dreams. The Antichrist burns down the harlot Babylon, okay? All right, next, top of page six. The world's response to their judgment. The world's response is actually very different. The world mourns for the harlot, Look at this. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from uh, her will stand off far off, terrified at her torment, and they will weep and mourn. Revelation 18, 19, they'll throw dust on their heads with weeping and mourning and they'll cry out. That's what happens when the Babylonian system that was joined by choice... When the Babylonian system is uh, destroyed by the Antichrist, everybody mourns. But everybody's forced to join the Antichrist system. And there's no mourning when the Antichrist is destroyed. The world doesn't mourn for the beast. I gave you some verses there. Let's keep going, though. Part E, bottom of page 6. There's more going on with both the Antichrist system and the Harlot Babylon system In addition to just being a system, there's more going on there. The harlot is a real city, not just a system. The harlot Babylon is going to be a city called Babylon, a real city, like a city. You know what a city is? One of those. There's going to be a city called Babylon. So it's not just a system. It's a system that's run out of a city by the same title. Okay? Uh, The angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. A great city will be built, and that great city will rule over the kings of the earth. But the beast, this is interesting, part two here, bottom of page six, the beast is a real 
person as well as a system. So we just saw that the harlot is a real city as well as a system. But now we see that the Antichrist, the beast, he's a real person as well as a system. Okay? Top of page seven, you can see the verse. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. It's a man. He's a dude. There's a dude called Antichrist and there's also a system called Antichrist. In relationship to Babylon, there'll be a city called Babylon, and there'll also be an empire called Babylon. All right? Moving on. Pertaining to their alliances and just the, the ways that they interact with the nations. The harlot will have a loose alliance with the whole world. The, the beast will have a ten-nation alliance to start with, and then he'll grow his, uh, his uh, international platform by force. Look at this, though. The harlot will have a loose alliance with the world. Revelation 17, 1 through 2. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, and I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. There's this, uh, this network. There's this alliance to the harlot Babylon. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. Revelation 18.3, for the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. All the language there is choice. All the language there is they are choosing to interact with the harlot Babylon. There's an alliance that's by choice. But look at this. The beast is going to have a ten-nation alliance, and his operates different. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. So where we were looking at a minute ago, a loose alliance of the earth. There's a loose alliance. We're now looking at a hardcore, formed, established alliance. This is now one. It says we're with the beast. They've received authority with the beast. They're giving their authority to the beast. These 10 nations are operating together as a unit, whereas under Babylon, the whole world is operating together loosely as a system, but not as a unit, not like this. Okay? All right, moving on. John's understanding. John had interesting understanding about what's going on here related to the Antichrist and the harlot. Now John, good little Jewish boy, knows his eschatology at least to a degree. He's familiar enough with the book of Isaiah. He knows the book of Daniel. He is familiar with the fact that there is an Antichrist. He knows there's an Antichrist at the end of the age. What was astonishing to him was the injection of the theology of the end-time harlot Babylon. He was not prepared for that. That part was new information to him. Now, it wasn't new information in the Bible, but it was new revelation to John. Okay? John is astonished by the harlot. Look at this. This isn't the only verse that says it, but it's the clearest, or one of the clearest. Revelation 17, 6-7. I'm at the top of page 8. 
I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. And when I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and of the beast she rides. John was not prepared to get revelation about the harlot Babylon at the end of the age. It was new content as far as he was concerned. He looked at this, he was like, I already knew about one bad guy, the beast. And then the angel goes, actually, John, let me tell you about who comes before the beast. In fact, she rides on the beast for a season of time. And John's like, I did not know about this girl. I was not aware about this part of the storyline. I am astonished by what I'm seeing. And he goes, this is horrendously evil. And further, this seems like this is going to last a lot longer than the mere seven years of the tribulation. This looks like this is going to be going on for a while, maybe some decades. And John is astonished by what he sees. But John already knew about the Antichrist. We've got Daniel 7. I gave you a few passages there. I gave you the passage in uh, 2 Thessalonians uh, 2, uh, where Paul write about, wrote about, don't let anyone deceive you. That day uh, will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. John already had working understanding about the Antichrist. He was shocked to find out there's this thing called the harlot Babylon. And in many ways, the harlot Babylon is actually a greater adversary to the church than the Antichrist. Because all the Antichrist will do is kill you. The harlot Babylon will allure you into hell. That's way worse. It's way better to die than get allured into hell. And not only that, the season of the Antichrist's rule is only three and a half years. Whereas the season of the harlot Babylon's influence is probably decades long. This is really troublesome. This is actually the reason that every Christian needs to understand the end times. It has way less to do with the Antichrist and everything to do with Babylon. You survive Babylon, you'll be good to go for the Antichrist. <laughs> that, won't, that won't even be an issue. I mean, you, that's going to be the real problem is, is keeping your heart alive and staying engaged for what's going on through, throughout uh, all of the Babylonian uh, age that, that we're looking at, okay? Primary objectives are very different. Bottom of page eight. The primary objective of the harlot is about compromise and wickedness and partnership in every evil practice. The Antichrist, now this may surprise you, the Antichrist really doesn't care if you're involved in every evil practice, so long as you worship him. I don't really care what you do in your free time so long as you worship me when I tell you to. The Bab harlot Babylon, however, is solely focused on full-on lifestyle compromise. Embracing wickedness, evil, every level. So there's a very different objective here related to the primary objective of the Antichrist and the primary objective of the harlot. The harlot is all about compromise and wickedness. But the beast is all about military conquest, destruction, conquering, submission. That's his primary objective, which it just so happens is a lot easier to do after, I'm just gonna make up a time frame, after two decades of dulling the earth's senses. 
of minimizing uh, national boundaries, of reducing people's resist, uh, uh, resilience uh, to, to sin, and, and of, of, of just uh, chipping away at righteousness, at causing immorality to be so normal in culture. The, the difference between what the Antichrist is doing and what the harlot is doing is the harlot is setting the stage for the Antichrist but in a way that you're not necessarily thinking. It's actually dulling the senses. It's actually bringing every form of compromise so that then the Antichrist can come in quite effortlessly and seize the land. Okay, well, we're gonna break up into some discussion groups. So the question was, what might the Antichrist's role, because he's gonna be alive during the rise of the Harlot Babylon system, what might his role look like uh, in the Harlot Babylon system kind of at its top. When, when Harlot Babylon is, uh, you know, at its prime, what would the Antichrist role potentially look like in there? Um, he's going to have to have got some level of connectedness for him to be able to pull off the things that he's going to pull off. So uh, it makes sense to me that he would have some role in the uh, uh, harlot government, even specifically the language of the harlot is seen in Revelation chapter 17 riding on top of the beast. And that's before the beast burns Babylon uh, to the ground. And so there's some measure of the Antichrist's role in the Babylonian system, in the Babylonian government, if you will. And so what might that role look like? Uh, you know, maybe a, a regional leader or a, uh, you know, the easiest way for him to be able to pull the wool over their eyes is to be the greatest advocate for Babylon. I mean, so to be the loudest, yay, Babylon, uh, and therefore be given a lot of, you know, authority and privilege and honor. Uh, one thing that we see that's an interesting detail is while Babylon is in charge, the Antichrist, the beast, is being ridden by her. Now, what that means is there is a beast to ride, and riding brings a benefit. So what that necessitates is the beast and the ten nations that are going to be in league with him, they're serving some role even during at least the latter part of the harlot uh, Babylon uh, you know, global reality. It wouldn't shock me if the ten nations that the Antichrist is leading might even be some sort of policing service for the harlot system or something. I mean, again, she's, she's riding upon it. So you see the harlot in chapter 17 riding on top of the beast until the beast bucks her and then destroys her. But for a season of time, uh, the, the Antichrist is content to be ridden, used, uh, be part of the system of the uh, Babylonian uh, government until he knows that it's his time and then he bucks the, the harlot Babylon and then uh, burns the capital city you know, with fire. So it, it would seem to me that he's gonna have some sort of um, role, some sort of authority, perhaps even in some sort of policing uh, sort of a capacity. Um, something of that nature seems uh, reasonable. So great question. Th these are these are good things to kind of think through. But I just, you want to meditate on or, or think on the role of the Antichrist with 10 nations at his disposal, but he's got the harlot Babylon writing him, meaning she's in charge, or at least she thinks she's in charge. 
until he makes it clear you're not and he burns her with fire. But there's a season of time where the role of Antichrist and the ten nations is part of the Babylonian infrastructure for a season of time. And so that has to have some, you know, so as you meditate and kind of think through what that looks like, don't forget that detail because it's an important one to trying to figure out what their partnership looks like. Um, yeah. I'm going to do my best to repeat the question a, a little simpler. And if it's uh, not the question you want answered, poke at it and we'll, we'll change it. Um, so in relationship to at the end, the Antichrist or the, um, uh, the harlot Babylon is this, you know, global you know, uh, compromising system, okay? Um, But, you know, where we're at now, what are the steps? How do we get from where we are now uh, to that point? And I think that one of the things that's going to happen is the, the thought process of what is deemed good is going to be fundamentally changed. So the word actually in relationship to the harlot Babylon system says that she calls evil good and good evil, but it's a global system. So you're talking about an entire globe that's going to be looking at evil and is going to say, that's a good thing. Let's celebrate that. And is going to look at good and is going to say, no, that's evil. So how do all these things work together? Um, I think that what we're going to be seeing is the, the, the shifting over of uh, of what is celebrated as a good thing, as a noble task. So even the point of social justice right now. Uh, social justice is a, a very uh, celebrated point that's actually the starting point in many ways of where the harlot Babylon is getting its uh, tentacles uh, you know, gripped into uh, global society. Well, what's going to shift is what's called good is going to be start is going to be globally begin to be identified as evil and what's called evil is going to be globally identified as good so a social justice system that currently right now might look at something that you and I would look at and go yeah that's a good thing the social justice system is actually going to flip flop on its head because what's going to happen is what's called good will be called evil and what's called evil will be called good will be celebrated so things like this there's uh, such a, a turning over of, uh, of all sorts of uh, things right now that are currently social justice issues like human trafficking. Human trafficking at the end of the age is going to be one of the main root systems of the Holy Babylon. It says that there are multiple uh, peoples and, and different thought processes that are sold and their souls are sold inside the, the Harlot Babylon system. We see that in Revelation chapter 18. So right now the social justice issue you know, says, hey, these things are right and these things are wrong, but the definition of right and wrong is going to be changing. And so right now the movement that is pushing on certain agenda points is going to continue to evolve their thinking. So, so they'll think to the point where they're now only calling good evil and only calling evil good. And so, uh, so that's the, this, this, you know, downgrading of society, this, uh, this, uh, watering down of everything that is good, the celebrating of evil. Uh, you just can't get it shortest ending point. You just can't get weak, wicked people together talking about good ideas and end up with righteousness. 
So you're going to get wicked people together talking about good ideas. These are good. This is helpful. This is social justice. And at the end, the fruit of that is going to wind up totally evil. You just give it a little bit of time and it gets, those plants get watered. And so right now where there are issues that are uh, looked at as like, oh, those are good things. These social justice issues, these are good. The, the infiltration of wickedness is going to so eclipse and, and just take over that entire thought process outside of Jesus, outside of the church's initiatives to do righteousness. But within the world systems, it's going to get so turned up, up uh, upside down that they're one of the primary um, forms of, uh, of trade in the last generation is actually going to be human trafficking. And so that's, that's not, right now, it's a significant issue. It's going to get so much worse. And that is going to be one of the significant fuel points of the Harlot Babylon system, which right now looks like, you know, Oprah Winfrey saying, you know, this is, this is good. We like this, but I don't really love Jesus and stand for Jesus. I'd like to use the name of Jesus, but uh, th these things are going to devolve greatly. And we're going to wind up with a global society that is actually celebrating evil at its core. It's going to be calling evil good and calling good evil. So great question. Uh, John. So the question I think is, uh, is it okay for Christians to be a part of this system that's going to wind up turning into this horrendously evil thing if Christians are able to keep their heads about them and not do horrible things but still be part of the system? Is that kind of the question? Yeah, and money and revenue. Specifically, the ties with the finances, the economic system. Yeah, so um, the, the way that all of this works is there is going to be a moment where the word of the Holy Spirit to the church is come up out of her, okay? There's going to be a future moment where the Holy Spirit is going to highlight, come up out of her, and that will equal a, you know, a global exodus of the church from the harlot system, okay? Until that time, however... We're in this really muddy gray that is a, a difficult minefield to navigate because, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, how does this money spend their, uh, how does this company spend their money and how does this initiative do this? And, and the church yet is going to be experiencing the greatest level of revival, not only of souls, but revival of financial capacities. Because when we look at the end of the age, when we see Haggai chapter two, we see that there is a transfer of wealth into the hands of the righteous in order to accomplish the purposes of the Lord. Because we've got the gospel of the kingdom to get preached to every tribe, language, and nation, and that's going to take money. Well, where's that money going to come from? Christians are going to come up with their own Christian financial system? No. I mean, whatever little efforts are made there, there can be alliances and friendships. There can be all that. But it's not like Christianity is going to come up with its own global currency and own global economy. Christianity has to walk this, this treacherous path of navigating the world and the world's finances and the world's ways in order to be able to produce wealth in order to accomplish the purposes of the Lord. And the Lord is going to be leading the people of God in all of that. And so the people of God are going to be going, okay, do I do this prayerfully? Okay, I need to get out of this thing because it's about to tank. Okay, I need to get out of this thing because it's about to be really evil. I need to get out of this thing because of what it's funding. I need to start getting involved in this because of what it's going to produce. The Holy Spirit's going to be leading the church 
And there is no other economy for the church to navigate. It's not like a second financial system. There's only the financial system of the world. So the church is going to have to, with fear and trembling, the fear of the Lord, discernment, uh, it was the right thing last year, it's the wrong thing now. There's gonna be all these discerning that what decision, what company do we start, what industry do we get into, what industry do we begin, what industry do we now get out of. There's gonna be a lot of discernment that's required in order for the church to be able to navigate the finances uh, of the whole harlot Babylonian system. So what we're gonna need more than anything is the spirit of wisdom and revelation in order to be able to navigate it because we're absolutely going to buy, sell, trade, live, eat, buy houses, sell houses. I mean, we're absolutely going to be doing all that all the way up until the point when the Antichrist takes over, at which point there's only three and a half years left. So all the way up to that point, the church is going to be right in the middle of all the systems. But it is important to note that statement, come up out of her, my people, in Revelation chapter 18, Jeremiah as well, 50 and 51 is a description of the church that has been all up in the midst and there's been all this intermingling and a lot of it was done right, some of it was done wrong, people lost their way, some people stayed righteous, but my goodness, their finances were funding things that they didn't like. There's gonna be all of these interesting things that when the time comes and that angel declares, come up out of her, my people, uh, there's gonna be a significant exodus of the church up out of that system. But it's that same compromised system that the church is gonna to make its trillions in. So it's going to be really interesting. There's going to be a lot of navigating and a lot of learning and, and uh, walking with the spirit and, and being a witness and a light and being the only guy on the board that, you know, is loving Jesus and doing right and being the only gal, you know, who owns that string of shops that's operating according to righteous principles. So it's going to get really intense and require a lot of uh, discernment. So excellent, uh, thought-filled question. Okay, got you. Okay, over here. Okay. Yeah, great question. So the question is, let's, let's identify three things. The spirit of the Antichrist, a spirit, the man, the Antichrist, a man, and the harlot Babylon system, a, a global system filled with compromise. And the question is, to what degree, I think, it's to what degree of, of uh, cohesion and what degree of distinction there is between uh, the specifically Antichrist, spirit of the Antichrist and Babylon. Is that more or less the question? Um, so the, uh, the rise of wickedness, uh, is, is mostly attributed to the subject of Babylon. What's going to happen though, is the Antichrist is going to wind up coming in. The, the picture that we see is the Antichrist comes in and takes over a system that was established by the forerunner before him, the harlot Babylon. The Antichrist comes in and takes over that system. But so then what, what, uh, what does this mean to have the spirit of the Antichrist and, uh, and what level of, of, uh, of connection, interconnectedness, will the spirit of the Antichrist have with the, the rise of Babylon? Great connection until the Antichrist, the man, the man of lawlessness, rises up and burns the city of Babylon. Again, even in the in uh, the Revelation 17, we saw that the Babylon, Babylon, harlot Babylon, is riding on top of the beast, riding on top of the Antichrist. So there is a significant level of connection and interconnectedness until the moment that there isn't anymore. So right now, we've got the spirit of the Antichrist alive, very much alive in this hour, but, uh, but the rise of compromise in the harlot Babylon isn't exactly 
the Antichrist's objective. That's the objective of Babylon. Antichrist is watching, the spirit of the Antichrist is even paying attention to the rise of that compromise in order to look for the moment to pounce, in order to look for the moment to annex, to take over. And so, uh, so there's a difference between um, the, the spirit of the age, which is this compromising harlot Babylon system, and the spirit of Antichrist, which is all about subduing mankind. And so, uh, so there's kind of this distinction between those two. Good, thought-filled uh, thought questions. All right, worship leader, you can come on up or come on out, whatever might the case be. And uh, good. Well, listen, we've got uh, uh, one or two more sessions as we wrap up uh, Babylon, Harlot Babylon in chapter 17 and 18. And then we're going to move on to things like the millennial kingdom and, and some other things at the latter part of the uh, book of Revelation. So if we can, let's go ahead and get the uh, chairs uh, moved back. And uh, while you're doing that, I'll pray us out. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would have clarity about the word of God, that it would make increasing measure of sense to us. And that as we do these... This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources or to schedule another TPR teacher to come speak at your church or event, please see our website at theprayerroomdfw.com. Thank you.